This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. And I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. This is our sixth special COVID-19 episode, and we're recording this episode via video conferencing as we are all still working remotely from our homes during this pandemic. So we apologize in advance again for any issues with the sound quality. We are going to start this episode with a conversation with Susan Hanrahan, the Executive Director of Craft Nova Scotia, and Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Susan will be telling us how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting craft shops, galleries, individual makers, and craft organizations across the province. Paul will then update us on the Nova Scotia Business Labor Economic Coalition and tell us about a new initiative between this group and Inkwell Modern Handmade Boutique and Letterpress Studio. He will also give us a quick update on DHBC's latest advocacy efforts. We'll also give an update on what businesses are up to since the state of emergency was declared back on March 22nd. And we'll finish with some updates regarding what's open for business in downtown Halifax and how you can stay connected with the downtown Halifax community in this time of physical distancing. And this episode is being recorded on Monday, April 27th. So keep that in mind while listening. The pandemic situation is still changing daily with new measures and programs affecting businesses implemented by the province and federal government almost weekly. To keep up to date, you can visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19 or visit novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. Now we will start our conversation with Susan Hanrahan, Executive Director of Craft Nova Scotia, and Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Today we have Susan Hanrahan, the Executive Director of Craft Nova Scotia, who has joined us via video conferencing. Craft Nova Scotia is a charitable service organization that works to encourage and promote both the craft movement in Nova Scotia and public awareness and appreciation of craft products and activities. They have a membership of over 300 individual artisans and craft enthusiasts, and they represent over 1,000 others through various member groups and guilds. We also have Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, who will be joining the conversation later on in the interview. Hi, Susan. Thank you for joining Downtown Lowdown to talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic situation is affecting the cultural and craft sector in Nova Scotia. First, Susan, how are you doing during this pandemic situation? My family and I are doing just fine. Uh, both my husband and I are working from home. He's a junior high school teacher and is currently finding translating his lessons to online versions to be quite challenging. Mm-hmm. And my work days don't seem to have a start or an end anymore. Right. But we know we are both among the fortunate ones who still have jobs. So we're yeah. thankful for that. Um, really, the hardest part about all this physical distancing is not being able to see my dad, who lives in a retirement home. Mm -hmm. And they've got him under quite strict lockdown um, protocols right now. So far, everybody in this facility, both staff and residents, are well, but it's a worry. Yeah, that definitely is. Yeah. I gave a quick overview of Craft Nova Scotia in the intro, but I am wondering if you can expand on what Craft Nova Scotia does. Sure. Well, um, as you said, we are the provincially recognized organization for craft in the in the province. We're a nonprofit, charitable, and member-based organization that works to promote craft and craft activities. And basically, that's pretty much everything. Um, we run retail craft shows. We hold exhibitions of members' mm-hmm. work. We run a standards assessment program. We have a shop that sells work by our members. Uh, we manage the Center for Craft Nova Scotia. At the center, we have the Mary E. Black Gallery. We hold seven exhibitions a year in there. We have six craft studios where we have three semesters of craft courses and classes that we offer to the public. 
probably about 120 to 150 classes a year. Mm-hmm. And we run three different residency programs out of the center as well. Uh, we have a weekly e-bulletin that goes out to all of our members that contains information we think will be of interest and use to them. Um, and we also work in partnership with other organizations like Craft Alliance, uh, which is a pan-Atlantic organization with a focus on export and wholesale development. Right. And so we've done a bunch of different export initiatives to them, taking work by our members down to um, large art fairs in Chicago, for example, is, is an example of one of those, um, working on international trade fairs like New York Now and things like that. Um, and we work with our national partner, the Canadian Crafts Federation, and our sister councils across Canada and into the territories on international projects and initiatives. Mm-hmm. Like in 2009, Canada was the guest country at the Shongju Craft International Biennale in South Korea, and that was a project that we worked on in partnership with all the organizations across Canada. So we try to work with the individual artists to promote them and their skills, provide a platform to show their work locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Um, we try to work with our members to help market their work, both direct to the, the consumer and through shops and wholesale opportunities and trade shows. Um, and we just try to provide um, a resource and a, a reservoir skill and talent and maintain a lot of traditional and heritage crafts that otherwise might get lost. Right. Can you outline for our listeners how important the cultural and craft sector is to the province? Economically, it's really significant. Um, Total culture sector value to Nova Scotia was $929 million, Mm -hmm. with over 13,000 jobs created. Um, That's just culture sector in Nova Scotia. Just exports alone, cultural exports, um, are 142 million a year with craft exports, 20 million a year of that. Um, all of those figures uh, come from a Canadian Heritage Report titled Cra- uh, Trade of Culture Products. Um, so you can see that it's a pretty significant um, right. bottom line dollar figure for the province, but it's more than that too. Um, crafts help create a community identity. They can be a social activity. Think quilting bees, for example. Right. Um, a lot of craft guilds still exist around the province where people who have an interest in woodworking or blacksmithing or rug hooking, to name only a few, can gather together on a regular basis to trade information, learn new skills. Mm-hmm. Um, crafts can connect us to our heritage, as I said. Um, you can see that in Mi'kmaq basketry. You can see it in a Gaelic milling frolic. Um, they bring visitors to our province, not only to um, see and purchase, but to learn how to do those skills themselves. There's a lot of teaching that goes on here. Crafts can connect people of different backgrounds, at different ages, at different skill levels. Mm-hmm. And working with your hands has a proven therapeutic effect. In fact, the gallery at our center, um, the Mary E. Black Gallery, mm-hmm. um, the woman after whom it's named was an occupational therapist who incorporated craft practice into her work, as well as doing other things like working on the design of the Nova Scotia Tartan, for example. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's um, crafts touch, they touch pretty much every life, every day. Um, You drink out of a mug, you wear clothes that have been made, you have a nice pillow behind you or a piece of work on the wall. Um, And a lot of people knit and do needlework and woodworking and so you know 
it's not only a thing that you can appreciate the skill in others, but it's something you can foster the skill in yourself. Right. Can you tell us how the pandemic is affecting the cultural and craft sector in Nova Scotia? Ooh, it's it's really having a devastating effect. Right. Um, a lot of shops have been closed. Wholesale orders are drying up as a result mm-hmm. of that. Um, fairs and festivals are being canceled. Classes and courses are being discontinued. Galleries mm-hmm. are closed. Um, some individuals have been able to make up a little bit through online sales, but not everybody is set up to do that, or right. nor would their work necessarily lend itself easily to online sales. Craft Alliance, that Pan-Atlantic organization I've mentioned, has been collecting lost templates to try and get a handle on the overall effect that COVID-19 is having and could have anticipated on our sector. And right now, I just um, got in in touch with Bernie Burton at Craft Alliance earlier today, and the numbers that he's collected thus far point to expected losses being in the range of more than $60,000 for each individual craft producer in Nova Scotia wow. and almost $400,000 for each individual craft retailer. So you can see that a lot of small producers and a lot of small businesses are not going to be able to survive this without really appropriate and well-timed supports being put in place. Right. So what are some of the gaps that you are seeing in the relief programs, both federally and provincially, for craft shops, galleries, individual makers, and craft organizations? Um, I know that federally and provincially, the support programs are trying right now to serve the largest possible number of people as quickly as possible. However, that does that has created some gaps for our sector. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint because all of our members have such individualistic business structures um, that there's no sort of one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, the CERB, the Emergency Relief Benefit, the one that provides the 2000 per month to individuals who stopped working because of COVID-19, there is a stipulation in there that small business owners who receive less than $1,000 in income for at least 14 consecutive days within the initial four-week period and no more than 1000 in income for the entire four-week period, um, if, they, if they do that, they then become ineligible for the CERB. And I know of at least one jeweler who shut down her online sales because she feared she would sell just enough online Mm -hmm. at the wrong times and in the wrong amounts to render her ineligible for the CERB. Um, Another example, um, the um, emergency wage subsidy. If a craftsperson owns a business but doesn't draw a salary from that business, instead they sink everything they earn back into the business, They've not been drawing a wage. They can't apply for the wage subsidy. Mm-hmm. So it really is very individualized um, depending upon um, how they've structured their business, whether they consider themselves an employee of that business, um, whether or not a lot of these programs are um, fitting them. However, I can say that hopefully that will change. I've, I've been in a lot of conversations um, and I'm hoping that there'll be some more culture-specific support programs coming mm-hmm. down the pipe. I was just going to ask. I know there was a, there was a new program announced last week, which which it was pretty all-encompassing. It was kind of sport, music, film, arts mm-hmm. and culture events. I don't think there's a lot of details around that yet. Do you know if if uh, if your sector would 
would be eligible for that, or is it kind of fit, fit, or fall through the cracks in that as well? I, I'm again, the devil's in the details on all of these things. You um, even at the broad strokes up front, the CERB looked like it was going to be an ideal fit for the majority of our members, and now when you get down into the details of it, and there's a bunch of things where if you tick these boxes, it renders you ineligible. Um, so. Again, I'm waiting to see what the details are because it's really hard to say until you get there and have a look at it. But at the initial onset, yes, it looks like Kraft will be able to take advantage of that. What advice can you give to people working in the cultural and craft sector if they're looking for help right now? Well, um, as I said, all of the conversations that I've been part of um, with provincial and federal government departments and other organizations have indicated that Government is trying to cover as quickly as they can, um, with as broad a stroke as possible, the immediate needs of as many Canadians and Nova Scotians um, as they can right now. Um, and now that programs like the CERB and the wage subsidy have rolled out, um, our provincial communities, culture and heritage and arts Nova Scotia, and at the federal level, Canadian Heritage and Canada Council for the Arts have been working to um, begin to deliver more culture-specific supports that will focus on perhaps filling in some of the gaps that the, the broad strokes programs weren't able to to accommodate. So I think um, if there's nothing there right now, um, there may be something there very soon, and that that happens provincially as well. I'm, I'm expecting something to come up from the province very soon that is more culture targeted. Is there anything else you would like to add? I would like to encourage any craftsperson, crafts business, or organization um, who might be listening to this to visit the Craft Alliance website to fill out the lost template forms. Um, that organization has been collecting and compiling information about our sector's current and expected losses so that we can advocate for the correct ongoing supports throughout this crisis, as well as um, the necessary stimulus as we start hopefully to emerge on the other side of this. Um, so the Craft Alliance website is craftalliance.ca um, and just click on the COVID-19 button and I would encourage anybody to do that because that's where we're getting our, our, our expected loss figures is coming from that response. And I'd also like to assure everybody in our community that there is a network of organizations all across Canada and Craft Nova Scotia is just one of them. Um, all of us are working really hard to ensure the voices of our sector are heard during this unprecedented time yeah. and that um, those governments will be working with us to put in place the appropriate and timely supports that are required. And we can include those links on our um, website, yeah. which is downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. Super. We were talking to Susan Hanrahan, Executive Director of Craft Nova Scotia. Craft Nova Scotia is a provincial crafts organization mandated to encourage and promote crafts and makers across the province. For more information, visit craftnovascotia.ca or check them out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Their handle on all three platforms is at Craft Nova Scotia. So, Paul, while we still have you here, uh, do you have any updates for us? 
sure. I've always got some updates. There's uh, there's new news coming fast and furious. Uh, we have a few more details on the new program, which is one that we've been advocating for as the downtown Halifax Business Commission, as well as a number of other groups uh, across the country. Uh, I mentioned the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, Chambers of Commerce, and there's a, a newer group called Save Small Business. And that's really been around uh, rent relief, uh, something we've talked about uh, on this podcast a number of times. Uh, and that was one of the big gaps that we've identified is there are many businesses that are that are seeing their revenues dropped almost nothing. Certainly they've dropped if they've been forced to close, but other businesses that maybe haven't been forced to close, but realistically just because there's no walk-by traffic, um, their revenues have dropped as well. And so one of the things that we've been calling for is, is rent relief. So something beyond the rent deferral program, uh, which the province announced here, uh, Nova Scotia is one of the few provinces that, that even offered a rent, um, a rent deferral program, um, which, which is a, a good program, but again, it does saddle tenants with additional debt they, that they still have to pay. And so uh, last week, we were excited to hear the federal government announce uh, a new program called SECRA. They have all these uh, acronyms, uh, so it's hard to keep track of them all. But SECRA is the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program. And so this program actually deals with, with rent relief or a good portion of rent relief. And so the way it works, it's a little bit uh, complicated and, and the burden is shared. Um, and so what the way it will work is for uh, April, May, and June, uh, the government uh, will – will will cover 50% um of your rent and that's that's actually split between the federal government which is covering 75% of that 50% and the province is covering 25% of that 50% uh the program is actually administered through the province and then it's asking for the commercial landlord to cover 25% uh, with the individual tenant covering 25%. So it does uh, share the burden uh, across them, but the, the bottom line certainly for the tenant is that, uh, that they would only be paying 25% uh, of their rent for those three months. Um, and there are, there are some eligibility requirements. So you either have to have seen your, your revenues uh, decrease by 70% uh, or you're in a situation where you were forced to close uh, by the government. So those are the two provisions. Uh, and the program is, is really geared uh, towards uh, assisting those people that, uh, that really did see a significant drop in their revenue. Uh, so if your revenue dropped 65%, certainly we would argue that, that, uh, that there should be a program uh, for that and, and we'll still fight for pro- kind of broader eligibility. But at the moment, it's, it requires a 70% drop. Uh, but again, it, it is a, a big step forward and it is uh, the kind of program that we've been asking for for quite a while. So um, those details are still emerging in terms of how it's going to be administered. Um, so there, there will be some information on the on the federal websites, um, but um, it, it actually will be applied at a provincial level. So uh, I would check the provincial um, the Nova Scotia Provincial website. We continue to have uh, uh, three-time weekly calls um, with the Nova Scotia Business uh, Labor Economic Council. And so, uh, again, a lot of these programs are are coming uh, about or being tweaked because of the ongoing advocacy work of of a number of different groups. And we've been very involved, and and lots of groups have been as well. So uh, those continue uh, three times a week, and um, and often we'll have guest speakers uh, come in and participate as well. Uh, And really, it's uh, it's a way for us to get that information out. So I would just encourage listeners uh, uh, to this podcast, particularly if they're our members uh, is keep checking all those emails that you get from downtown Halifax Business Commission. Uh, it'll keep you up to date on, on everything that's happening. Uh, and one exciting thing that, that's come out of par- partly out of that group um, is uh, is a four-page spread that's coming out in the Chronicle Herald uh, this week, or it's coming out as as the um, uh, the piece that comes out with the flyers. Uh, it's a four-page spread which has a poster which is. The, the reworked uh, version of the uh, of the poster a lot of Haligonians are familiar with um, that appeared after the Halifax mm-hmm. explosion in 1917. Um, this one is reworked to say, we shall never rebuild Nova Scotia unless everyone works together. 
Uh, and that's a poster that was put together by our friend Andrea at uh, Inkwell, um, a great business in, in downtown Halifax who own the rights to the Halifax Explosion poster. And this will be going out to 275,000 um, homes in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it's a it's a you know a, a herald-sized um, poster you can put up on your window or on your wall. And it's really just just to kind of tie us all together as, as right. Nova Scotians and, and say that we're all pulling this together. Now, there's some additional information uh, in there as well. The, uh, the spread was uh, was paid for by participants in the, the NSPLEC uh, group. So there's a listing of, of all the organizations that are involved in that group. Uh, and there's a couple of articles. One is, is an interesting background about the, the history of the poster, how it's been, re- how it's been reworked, uh, was kind of rediscovered by Inkwell and, right. and produced by them. Uh, there's also a story uh, that, that tells all about uh, the work of the Nova Scotia Business Labor Economic Coalition, uh, which we're an active part of. So uh, it gives people some information. Certainly our members will be interested in, in the role that we're playing in that. So, uh, yeah, something to look forward to. It will yeah. be distributed across Nova Scotia, mostly on Wednesday. There's some yeah. places, I guess, that don't get it till Thursday, but between Wednesday and Thursday, that will be arriving uh, on your doorstep. Yes, yeah. we're very excited about that. So we, uh, through the, uh, the Nova Scotia Business uh, Labor Economic Coalition, you know, organizations have had direct access to government officials, both bureaucrats and, and political leaders, uh, three times a week, which has been very useful. And so the, the business improvement districts, uh, which we're one of, of nine in Halifax, and there's a number of other ones uh, across Nova Scotia, we thought it would be great if we could extend uh, that opportunity to our members. So uh, we put together a webinar, uh, which has representatives from the federal, provincial, and uh, several municipal governments across Nova Scotia. Uh, on the call and decided that we would just open that up to our members so that they could uh, submit questions in advance or they could ask uh, questions live on the call as well. So, uh, you know, what's interesting about this uh, time, I guess, is there's there's never really been greater access to government officials. They've been great, very responsive, uh, very accessible. And so, um, you know, certainly we're, we're pleased to play a role in, in trying to bring our business's voice directly to government officials. And what will be interesting to see is whether this carries on into the future, whether this is a legacy of this uh, this pandemic that uh, government uh, finds ways to be even more open and accessible uh, to the people that they represent. So uh, we're very excited to, to put that webinar together. And this is the first in a series of webinars uh, that DHBC will be doing uh, that will be open to all of its members. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for joining us again on Downtown Lowdown. Thank you. And that was Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Downtown Halifax Business Commission is committed to providing the latest information to DHVC members to help business through these uncertain times. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, DHVC will be following the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority and will be asking businesses in downtown Halifax to do the same. We all have the responsibility to do our part in stopping the spread of the virus. DHVC has three resource pages for businesses and for the public. For the main COVID-19 business resource page, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. For what's open in downtown Halifax, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash open. To find out how businesses are staying connected to the community, customers, and clients, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash connect. On March 22, 2020, the province of Nova Scotia declared a state of emergency. The Nova Scotia government has extended the state of emergency to May 3rd. Police are authorized to enforce orders under the Protection Act related to self-isolation and social distancing and can issue summary offense tickets for people not adhering to those orders. We'd like to reiterate the measures the province will be enforcing. There are to be no gatherings of more than five people, any workplace or business that is not deemed essential or not already required to be closed can remain open as long as a two-meter or six-foot distance can be maintained. Police are authorized to enforce orders under the Health 
Protection Act. If Nova Scotians and businesses do not practice social distancing and self-isolation, they will face fines of $1,000 for individuals and $7,500 for businesses. Multiple fines can be given each day if an individual or business fails to comply. Police can also enforce offenses under the Emergency Management Act. For example, fines for charging higher than fair market prices for goods and services. To view a list of businesses that are temporarily closed or events that are canceled or postponed, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash closed. View the full notices from Nova Scotia government, go to novascotia.ca slash coronavirus slash hashtag alerts. As always, DHBC is asking the public to help support businesses in downtown Halifax if you can, while staying safe and adhering to provincial public health orders uh, by doing the following. Order takeout via phone or online as much as you normally would or more if you're financially able to. Many restaurants are offering discounts on takeout and many restaurants are offering free delivery. Purchase gift cards now to use later. Most retailers have an online retail store. Shop online whenever possible. Some retailers are offering free delivery. Some businesses are offering online classes and workshops to remain connected to the community. Again, to view what's open in downtown Halifax, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash open. These were just some of the highlights of changes and measures that may affect businesses, visitors, or workers in downtown Halifax. I'd also like to take this moment to remind listeners that we are recording this episode on Monday, April 27th. So now we're going to hear from Alana, who will be giving us an update on what's open and how businesses are keeping connected to the community. So what do you have, Alana? Thanks, Ivy. So I'm going to start by giving a quick update on what's open in downtown Halifax. We are continuing to update our webpage, downtownhalifax.ca slash open. This page lists what businesses are open and open online for business during the pandemic. We have a few new things to highlight this week. The Thai Shirt Gallery, which is the art sales and rental gallery of the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, is open online for business with curbside pickup available by appointment. You can view their collection at tichurtgallery.ca and tichurt, and I'm hoping I'm saying that right, it's spelled T-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, or you can contact asar at novascotia.ca for information, and asar is A-S-A-R at novascotia.ca. iHerb Bikes has stepped up their delivery and pickup options during the pandemic. Their bike rentals are available when booked 24 hours in advance, Customers have the option to pick up the bikes at their waterfront location or arrange for contactless delivery. All bikes will be sanitized before and after use, as well as any equipment associated with the rental. Know that their storefront location is still closed, though, so you can't stop by to rent from them. You have to book all rentals in advance. You can email them at info at iHeartBikesHFX.com or visit them at iHeartBikesHFX.com. The Birdsnest Cafe is now selling baking products through their website, which is so great because baking supplies are in high demand right now. They are packaging up their baking ingredients, including flour, yeast, eggs, milk, and some of their baking mixes, including their chocolate chip cookie mix, some fresh salad greens, and more for sale on their website store. You can order by Thursday at 8 p.m. for Saturday curbside pickup or order by Sunday at 8 p.m. for Tuesday home delivery. Visit them at birdsnesthalifax.com and click on the online shop to order. Just keep in mind that they are selling out quickly, so check back often to get the items that you need as they are refreshing their supplies daily. If you are in need of some hair, skin, or other self-care products during the pandemic, the 10 Spot, Spirit Urban Spa, and Life Salon Spa are all offering various ways for you to get your favorite products. The 10 Spot is taking retail requests for delivery within the HRM and contactless pickup 
They will take your credit card information by phone and help coordinate either the delivery or pickup details. For more information, visit the10spot.com slash shop. Spirit Urban Spa is also taking online orders. There's no minimum amount for shipping, or you can play a flat rate of $5 for contactless doorstep delivery in the HRM. Visit spiritspashop.com to check out their products. And finally, Life Salon Spa is offering curbside pickup of retail products while they are closed. Email your order to your preferred location and they will be in touch to arrange credit card payment and pickup dates. For the downtown Halifax location, email life at salonspa.com. As we mentioned last week, Wednesdays are now takeout day across Canada. This initiative started a few weeks ago to help support Canadian restaurants. You can learn more about takeout day by visiting at Canada Takeout on Instagram and follow hashtag takeout day. Locally, you can visit at DineAroundHFX or follow hashtag Dine and Stay Home for takeout suggestions in Halifax. You can check out the full list of what is open and open online for business in downtown Halifax at downtownhalifax.ca slash open. If you notice anything that is missing or needs to be updated, let us know by emailing communications at downtownhalifax.ca. Next, if you're looking for ways to keep connected and engaged with your downtown Halifax community in this age of physical distancing, many businesses and organizations are offering virtual programming, events, and more to keep you engaged. We have a list on our website at downtownhalifax.ca slash connect, but here are a few highlights for this week. Century 21 All Points, which is located on South Street, has a new website with panorama videos of downtown Halifax, which is called chalifax.com, and C is S-E-A, so S-E-A-Halifax.com. Videos include the Seaport Market, the Halifax Boardwalk, Argyle Street, and more. They're taking advantage of this situation to really get um, really neat panoramic videos without any traffic, both cars and pedestrians in them. They're actually pretty cool to look at, so I'd recommend checking them out. They're also looking to do interiors of restaurants, shops, and more. If you're interested in getting a panoramic video of your business, they're willing to assist for free, and they're willing to host on their website for free for up to three months. If you're interested in more info, email David Yetman at davidyetman at century21.ca, and Yetman is Y-E-T-M-A-N. Halifax Circus has started online classes. You can check them out on MindBody app or the MindBody website to register. They're just asking for a $5 or $10 donation per class. Classes are designed for all levels and are downstairs neighbor friendly. You can pay using the MindBody online store or by direct email transfer to info at halifaxcircus.com or by direct e-transfer to info at halifaxcircus.com. They have base pricing on a sliding scale and are reserving a few spots in each class for those who truly cannot pay. Please email registration at halifaxcircus.com for more info on that. Next, the 2020 NASCAD Showcase Graduation Exhibition is being hosted online. The exhibition highlights artwork by undergraduate and graduate students completing their degrees. You can view the artwork on Facebook and Instagram until May 15th. They'll be featuring artists daily at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Their handle on both Facebook and Instagram is at Anna Leon Owens Gallery. The Discovery Center has launched Discovery at Home, a new free live online video series to connect students with science at a time when it is needed most. These hands-on, curriculum-connected workshops for grades pre-primary to 12 will make science learning at home fun and easy. For more information, visit thediscoverycenter.ca. And for more ideas of how you can stay connected to your favorite businesses, attractions, and your downtown Halifax community, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash connect. And if you're a business or organization in downtown Halifax that is offering virtual experiences or programming, let us know by emailing communications at downtownhalifax.ca. And that's it for me. That concludes this week's episode of Downtown Lowdown, recorded on April 27, 2020. For more information, visit downtownhalifax.ca. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.